Hey guys, welcome out there on the 573Ts PowerMizzou.com post-game live show after a 24-17 loss in Florida for the Missouri Tigers, a game that, man, did it have uh, a lot of similarities to, frankly, the last two games we've watched and a few more games we've watched in the Eli Drinkwitz era. We're going to talk about all that. Appreciate everybody who is joining us live. Gerard Hamilton is down in game, Gainesville for us. He's probably in the middle of Missouri post-game interviews right now and will uh, join us when he gets done with those and back up to the press box. So, at that point in time, this will be a two-man show. Until now, it is a one-man show. I invite your questions, comments, everything like that. We've already got quite a few of them over in the uh, in the comments section, and I will get to those momentarily. We're going to do this kind of in reverse order since Gerard's going to be joining us a little later. Uh, I'm going to address all your guys' comments, questions, all that first, and then we'll bring Gerard in later on, and we'll kind of go back and forth with our thoughts and takes on this game. Uh, before we do that, do want to point out our sponsor up there in the upper left corner of your screen. Could be the upper right corner of your screen. I don't know, but whatever. There's a 573Ts.com logo. that is, They are our sponsor every single week on this post-game show. We brought it to you all six games. We'll do it for at least six more games. Seven is looking a little doubtful at this point, to be quite honest. But 573Ts is it's a great local business in Columbia, guys. They have, have made some custom stuff for me. They've made some Power Mizzou stuff. I'm actually wearing one of them right now. There you go. You can see that. Um, they can do custom orders for you. They can do bulk orders for you. They also have a lot of stuff that's just, hey, it's pre-made. It's their different lines. You can check those out. 573-T-E-E-S.com. If you want to see them in person, go down to their storefront in uh, on Alley A between 9th and 10th Streets, just one block south of Broadway in downtown Columbia. 573-T's.com, our sponsor for this show. And so, I've got my thoughts on this and what happened, but before we get to that, before we get to Gerard's takes, I, I'm just gonna gonna go to your guys' comments and questions. And again, we invite you to uh, to put those in the queue, and I'll put them up on the screen just like this, and we'll address them. I'm just going in order, so it may be a while before I catch up. Depends on on how active the comment section has been. Uh, Javon says the two interceptions are on the wide receivers. Brady played fine today. Partly, I agree. Um, I thought on the first interception, Luther Burden got bumped off his route. It was pretty clear. Cook threw it straight to uh, the safety. Uh, Jaden Hill, I believe is his name. On the second interception, Dominic Lovett got bumped, knocked down, whatever. And I don't know if Lovett was supposed to take the guy that ended up intercepting the ball, but Brady Cook threw inside to Toski Dove. And Jaden Hill had inside leverage. I mean, Toski Dove was nowhere close to open. You can't throw that ball. I, I mean, you just can't. Worst case scenario, you get three points there. Now, three points in the end might not have made the difference in this game. Um, the wide receivers probably have some culpability on the interceptions, uh, especially the one I you know, hey, you get bumped off the line, like that. the guy that wins at the line of scrimmage is going to win a lot of times, right? But the second one, Toski Dove just, he wasn't anywhere close to open. There's no best case scenario in that play. He gets his hand in there, which he tried to do and knocks down the ball. The second one to me is on Brady Cook. First one, still 
substantially on Brady Cook. I, I understand giving the receiver some blame. Uh, but look, he, he just made two crippling mistakes, and it's what he can't do. Uh, we've said all year, Brady Cook is not the guy that maybe you're asking to go out and win you a game, but you are asking him not to lose you a game. And he wasn't the only one today. I don't want to put it all on one guy. But he was a reason Missouri lost today. He threw two interceptions. One of them resulted directly in seven points. I can't remember if if uh, Florida scored off the other one or not. I don't think it did. But they lost by seven, and there was a pick six. There was also, by the way, a 53-yard punt return. Uh, Missouri's defense, again, overall played really well and just wore down in the second half. But you just you just can't. You can't blame him for that. Look, you can't ask this defense to be perfect, and Missouri is asking the defense to be perfect. Uh, Robert Connolly says, would have really liked to see that fourth down play where they had Macon on the field as a wide receiver QB trip trick option. I don't know, guys. We're talking about the four-string quarterback here. I, I mean, he's running a scout team in, in practice, and if your answer to that is he shouldn't be, if your answer is I don't trust Eli Drinkwitz to play the right guy, whatever your answer is, it's fine. But if – if you want to make a quarterback change, which, look, I'm open to. I, I told friends today, I've said this all year. I've said if they're two and four coming back from Florida, I would start Sam Horn against Vanderbilt. And I would start Sam Horn against Vanderbilt. I don't know that Missouri will. It would surprise me if they do. I would. And I don't know if it would make a difference. Because I want to be clear, this is not all on Brady Cook. He's got a beat-up wide receiver room, a non-existent tight end position, and an offensive line that, I think has played better the last three weeks, but is still average at best and commits way too many penalties. So this is not all on Brady Cook, but it is the most significant place you can make a change. And, and again, the reason I would probably make a quarterback change for the Vanderbilt game is not even necessarily about Brady Cook. It's about giving this fan base hope. It's about telling them there's something more coming. Um, and I don't know, again, I'll listen to people that tell me I'm an idiot for that and you can't wreck Sam Horn and put him out there. And, and that might be right. Maybe Sam Horn's not anywhere near ready. I, I will admit to just searching for answers here. And a lot of times when you don't know what the answers are, the answer is put somebody else at quarterback and see if it helps. Um, you know, that's it. Logan wants to know, why do we struggle so much in the first quarter? Logan, that's my column. I, I've already got it two-thirds written. I wrote a lot of it at halftime because I saw where this was going to go. And I, I'm just going to read you the first, first paragraph of this. For the last two weeks, the word uttered by everyone in the Missouri program has been finish. They're using the wrong word. Missouri doesn't have a finishing problem. It has a starting problem. Missouri didn't lose this game on the last drive of the fourth quarter. Missouri didn't lose last week's game on the last drive of the fourth quarter. Missouri didn't lose the Auburn game in overtime. They lost all three of those games in the first half. They lost the Kansas State game in the first half. They have been outscored on the road this year, 31-3 to in the first quarter. They did outscore Georgia in the first quarter, actually held a 16-3 uh, or 16-6 lead at halftime. I'm going to have to look it up. But they left so many points on the board. They had four scoring drives, and three of them were field goals, including one where they had first and goal at the one. Missouri is consistently coming out of the gate and either just playing poorly or 
not giving itself enough breathing room in the Georgia game where they could sustain a second half run by Georgia. Missouri is two and four, largely because it has played four games against power five competition in three of them. It has not shown up until the second quarter began. And in the other one, it missed too many opportunities in the first 30 minutes. They're not losing games. I mean, yes. Are they losing games at the end? Yes. They're losing games at the end. I mean, the Mevis kick, the Pete fumble, um, defense wears down against Georgia. Offense can't answer today. They're outscored, you know, whatever. I think it was 14-7 in the second half. So, yes, obviously they are losing games at the end. But the reason they're losing games at the end is because they're digging themselves such huge holes at the beginning. In 12 road games, Eli Drinkwitz's team has been outscored 98-51 to 51 in the first quarter. That includes games they have outscored Vanderbilt and Boston College 24-14. to 14. If you take those games away, Eli Drinkwood's teams have been outscored 84 to 27 in 10 road games in the first quarter. That is on average in those 10 games being down by a touchdown after 15 minutes. It, it is a the start is a bigger problem than the finish. I'm not saying the finish is no problem, but they're losing these games in the first 15 minutes. And I'm sorry, guys, that's coaching and preparation. And we're seeing it again and again and again. And they keep saying, well, we just have to learn to finish. And you want to believe that all you have to do is keep bashing that rock against the dam and eventually the dam is going to crack. But this is three weeks in a row where it's held. And at some point, like you just get worn out by bashing the rock into the well, into the dam. And I think it's a very fair question. At what point does the Missouri defense just think we can't keep doing this with no help? At what point do we just see the defense run into a week where it says, what are we doing here? And they give up 35. You know, I, I don't know, but you've got to worry that it's coming. I, I, I think it, you've got to worry that it's coming because that is human nature, especially with college kids. Anytime you see a team that's really good on one side of the ball and make no mistake, Missouri's really good on defense and really bad on the other side of the ball, like eventually there's a crack. And eventually, you know, the locker room suddenly isn't all on one page and there is some finger pointing and then things really go south. So they've got to get it fixed. Uh, Blake Casey brings up an excellent point. I texted something very similar to some guys during the game. You're three of our offensively minded head coach and the, and the offense looks putrid. Right now, we are, let's see, 20, 29 games into Eli Drinkwitz's career. He has yet to put on the field an above-average quarterback. Um, he has yet to put on the field an offense that is really good at much of anything other than running the ball. Right now, Missouri's Missouri's best hope, and if they're going to get to a bowl game, and I, I've got a tough time making the argument, but if you want to make the argument, Vandy, New Mexico State, okay, they upset South Carolina. By the way, Arkansas's defense is putrid. You go into the last game of the year, who knows, right? I mean, there's a path. It's 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 a pretty tough one, but I'm I'm keeping you know all options open here. But if they're going to do that, there's only one way they do it. They just hand the ball off a million times. They hope to to wear down defenses and win games like 17-14 or 21-17. And in year three of a guy that you hired, because he's an offensive coordinator, because he's a good play caller, because he has a good history with quarterbacks, all that. And I'm not saying all those things are right. I'm saying those are the reasons given. That's why Eli Drinkwitz got this job. 
in year three, he finally looks like he has a good defense. Well, guess what? That's Blake Baker because he had a bad defense his first two years. He fired the defensive coordinators. He's calling the plays on offense. Blake Baker handles the defense. Blake Baker's the head coach of the defense. So I, I'm not going to give Drinkwitz no credit for the defense because he is the head coach. He gets some. But that's the other side of the ball. The side of the ball that he's got more to do with is the offense. And it's just not good enough, guys. I don't know what they do well. They, I mean, credit Nate Pete. Really nice game for Nate Pete. Cody Schrader had a nice touchdown run. Like They seem to be running the ball relatively well. But that's really all they're doing. Um, and, and I understand Dominic Lovett limited, Luther Burden limited, Barrett Bannister out, but like Makai Miller came in and made a play. You know, you have tight ends. Tyler Stevens caught a touchdown pass last week. Now, I'm not saying they're great, but if he's the offensive guy that, that it's been purported he is, he has to find a way to scheme around this and put an offense on the field that gives his defense a chance. I mean, they scored 17 this week. They scored 22 last week. They scored 14 in overtime the week before. So that's 53 points in SEC play, which 17.6 a game. It's not going to win you enough, even with a really good defense, because like things like a pick six happen. Things like a punt return for a touchdown happen. Um, it's a problem. I, I don't think there's any question. Uh, Logan says next two games, we should be favored. If we lose them, Eli should be fired. He's not going to get fired. He shouldn't get fired. Missouri's dumb if they fire him. Um, they'll be favored against Vanderbilt. I don't know that they'll be favored at South Carolina. They might be, but I'd be surprised. Um, Magic Man says, when is drink going to, or when is the media going to start asking drink about all the lateral scrimmage plays? Uh, the media asked the A&M coach about hiring an offensive coordinator. Okay. So literally, I think it was after the Auburn game two weeks ago, Eli Drinkwitz was asked, do you still believe in the foundation of your offense? Like there's no tougher question than that guys. We we've asked him at times if he considered making quarterback changes, we we've asked the questions. I, I, I mean, at some point we will probably ask him if he has considered if, if the play calling and you know, if he needs to hire an OC, but I don't think it's going to happen mid-season. I think that's a postseason question. And, I, you know, I, I, again, I play calling is an easy target. Now, I'll say this. On fourth and two, I have no idea why Missouri empties the backfield on the last play of the game. And, look, you can talk. It, it might have been pass interference. I will give you that. I don't think that call lost the game because Missouri still would have had, you know, 44 yards to go or whatever it is. Um, so I don't think that play fundamentally maybe loses the football game. But, Running the football is the only thing really you've done consistently well. Why are you taking the back out of the backfield? At least make them think you might do it. At least make them account for it. I don't understand that play, but I'm also not going to like go way overboard on one single play call. Um, but my point is, like Drinkwitz has been asked uncomfortable questions this year. He he just has. Um, and you know, I, I we can't make him give you the answer that that you want. Um, doesn't help that the refs were very favorable towards Florida. Look, again, the PI call, it probably should have been made. I thought the D-back had, uh, had Toski Dove hooked at the end. But at the same time, again, Missouri's still got to go 45 yards. Missouri's still down 24-17 to a team that should not have scored 24 points. That should have been a shutout at halftime. Florida had 65 yards in three first downs at halftime. And they were tied at 10. Oh, by the way. At the end of the first half, 
why is Eli Drinkwood's like, it didn't even look like he was trying to score a touchdown. It, it looked like he was terrified of his offense making a mistake, and he was happy to just go in 10-10. In a game his team had dominated. I, you know, so so that's that's fair to talk about too, and and I'm sure we'll talk about that as we go on. Um, Eric says penalties killed Mizzou once again. Yeah, they hurt. Um, and, and the frustrating part to me is these are largely not penalties of aggression. They are largely um, avoidable penalties, offsides, false starts, things like that. Like the hands to the face last week, it's rough, but hey, it happens. But the false start, that can't happen. You know, and and so, yeah, and could Florida have been called for more penalties? I'm sure they could have. I'm sure Missouri could have too, to, if you want to be honest about it. I mean, you can call holding on almost every play. You can call something. I, I don't think that I, I would again, I would side more with Eric who said penalties killed Mizzou than, than with the guy that said the refs were very favorable toward Florida. Uh, just my opinion on this one. Um, a lot of hope for next year. Defense is good. Need better QB play. Well, but Tom, I mean, you're in year three and your record's going to be worse than it was in year two and probably in year one. And how many guys leave, right? Like Jalen Carlisle is probably an NFL player. I think next year, Tyron Tyron or Tyron Hopper's probably an NFL player next year. Isaiah McGuire might be an NFL player next year. Nate Pete might leave. Cody Schrader can't come back. So I, I just I can't I, I I'm not gonna settle for the sunshine and unicorns and hey, well, maybe next year. I mean, this is year three, guys. This was supposed to be the year there needed to be progress. I'm not going to beat them up for losing to Georgia in a close game, but Auburn's not good. Florida's not good, but they're better than Missouri. They beat Missouri. So, you know, that's, that's my opinion. Um, And Spencer says, you know, again, the team is so close to breaking through, but it hasn't. And in the end, like, Maybe if you'd broken through today and you're three and three and you can say, see, that progress led to this. Well, eventually just coming close. I, I mean, that beats a team down, you know, and yeah, they'll probably go beat Vandy and I'm not going to, then whatever they should. The next time I'm really going to, what happens at South Carolina? Can they go win that game? Or do we see another, wow, good effort, you know, because good effort and, and almost isn't enough for me at this point. It maybe is against Georgia, but it's not against Auburn. It's not against Florida. These are not good teams that are beating Missouri. Um, they're average to below average teams that are better than Missouri and make more plays than Missouri. And I have said this all year, and I will continue to say it. Most football games come down to two or three plays. Not all of them. Some of them are, some of them are blowouts, right? But a lot of football games come down to two, three, four plays. Good teams make those plays more often than not and have winning records. And bad teams fail to make those plays and talk about how close they were at the end of the year. I, I, I'm just, I'm past the point where close is, is good enough. I, I, I don't believe it. Um, and kind of along the same line, Ian Bones Jones says, is it crazy to think we're a non-game manager QB away from being five and one? Well, first of all, I say you might be a, a game manager away from being five and one. Because it's the, it's the interceptions that are killing them. Missouri, I believe, is Tom Orff tweeted out the touchdown. To, they have three more interceptions than touchdowns, 
which right now is the worst that ratio has been since the year 2000. That was pre-Gary Pinkle. That was Larry Smith's last team, I think. Um, so if you just had a game manager, if you just said, look, go out there and don't get us beat, don't turn the ball over, you might be 5-1. and one. You're a field goal away from 4-2. and two. You're two stops away from 5-1. and one. But I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You're not. You're 2-4. and four. And again, just good teams win at least some of those games. They may not win every one, but they win at least some of them. Bad teams talk about how close they are. And that's what Missouri's doing right now, talking about how close they are. You know, um, Colby said, no way Horn isn't ready to run this current playbook. I don't think it has to do with the playbook. Um, I think it just has to do with his development and where he's at. And do they think he's ready to go win football games? I, I don't think it's about knowing the playbook. I mean, maybe it is, but I think it's also about understanding the speed of the game and being able to go out there, you know, against, uh, against SEC defenses. Um, you know, David says same game, different week. And it's really tough to argue. Blake wants an offensive coordinator. I can. Yeah. Again, I don't see it happening this season. I don't really see it happening ever, but you know, maybe at the end of the season, maybe that's something we talk about. Um, Matt's asking about quarterback again. I, I would start Sam Horn against Vanderbilt. I don't know that Missouri will. I don't know that it would make a difference. I don't know that it's the right thing to do. But you're two and four searching for answers. And I mean, look, guys, Tennessee's legit good. I don't see any way Missouri's scoring enough to hang with Tennessee. Kentucky is pretty good. I don't think they're great, but that's a team that doesn't usually beat itself. Um, and they've got a couple of receivers and they've got Will Levis and they've got Chris Rodriguez. And I just have a hard time believing you're going to beat them 17 to 14. So, you know, so best case scenario is you're beating Vandy, New Mexico State, South Carolina and Arkansas and getting to six and six. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's. Not very easy. Um, okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> Phillips says Baker should be the head coach. And yeah, well, Philip, okay. I, sorry, I shouldn't have put that on the screen. Let's make some uh, less emotional comments. Um, how much of the non-existent tight end position has to do with play calling? I think it's, it, like, that's fair. Maybe some of it. But also, like, I saw Tyler Stevens in the open field against Louisiana Tech. He's a possession guy. Kavet Chepiator is a, you know, he he looks more athletic, but he hasn't produced a lot. They've thrown the ball at him, but he but he hasn't necessarily done a whole lot. Um, it's talent more than anything. It's fair to wonder why can't Ryan Horsecamp even get on the field? Why can't Gavin McKay get on the travel squad? Um, you know, Max Wisner was here in spring football. Can he do something like it's fair to question? I think the talent evaluation um, and are there ways they could get the tight ends, the ball? Yes, but I don't think Missouri has dynamic tight ends. Uh, Logan says, how close is Hiron White to playing? I, I really don't know. Um, you know, there's been some talk on our message board that maybe against Vandy and does that help? Might, um, but You'd be talking about a kid that hasn't played in close to a year, and I, does that fix it? I don't know. Um, you know, I think the offensive line's been better the first two weeks or the last two or three weeks, but it hasn't been great. Uh, Drinkwitz is play calling again. I think we can nitpick play calling a lot, and I did a couple times. I didn't understand the last 
drive the once they got to the 11 yard line i didn't understand the end of the first half i didn't understand emptying the backfield on fourth and two i didn't understand starting that drive with a quarterback draw that hadn't worked all day but i don't want to get too in the weeds of hey this play calls bad and that play calls bad um i think it i think you can find some things but i think more often than not it's just they don't have the guys um, they don't have the talent on offense, healthy or not, and they're not even healthy right now. Um, I He looks to me like he's a guy that calls a game without very much faith in his offense. And, like, that's understandable. Like, it's hard for me on one hand to say they don't have very much talent on offense and they have to win 17-14 and then criticize a guy for not having confidence in that same offense. I know that's talking out both sides of my mouth. But at some point, you're going to have to make plays to win SEC games. I thought very beginning of the game, they've got, what, fourth and two at midfield. Maybe go for it. You've got a really good defense. Just trust them and say, hey, if we don't get this, it might put you in a pretty bad spot. But we believe in you to, to overcome that bad spot. And we're going to go for this and try to show a little confidence in our offense. Um, so, again, I can nitpick some play calling. Um, but I, I, I just want to be careful of doing uh, too much of that. Uh, Tom says Stetson Bennett got the same critiques that Cook is getting. Experience is huge at QB. Experience is, but also like Stetson Bennett is surrounded by either the most or the second most talent in the country. You can have Stetson Bennett at quarterback. By the way, Brady Cook outplayed Stetson Bennett last week, I thought. But you can have that guy at quarterback if he's got Blake Bowers and Darnell Washington and Kenny McIntosh and this guy and that guy. It, you can't if you don't have a bunch of guys around him. Right now, I, I like the way Nate Pete's playing. Cody Schrader's making some plays. Dominic Lovett is a guy. You know, Mookie Cooper's come on a little bit. Uh, as David Carnell says, Makai Miller looked good. You can see glimpses, but they, they don't have enough talent around him to say, hey, it's fine if we just have a guy at quarterback. They need better than a guy. And right now, it's a guy. I, I mean, it's not, again, it's not all Brady Cook's fault, but but it is part of it, you know. Um, show me most says time to pull the Band-Aid and get a new coach. Just no, guys, no. If you do that, you were just saying the last two and a half years, these two recruiting classes, we don't even want to see how they go. We're just forget it. They're done. They can all transfer. We're going to start over and we're going to give a new guy three years. You can't do this every three years. If Missouri's going to be good in the near future, it needs Eli Drinkwitz to be the guy. Is he the guy? I don't know. I, I don't know. But you have to find out. You have to let him play Sam Hornet quarterback. You have to have healthy Luther Burden and healthy, healthy Dominic Lovett out there. You have to, you know, get Kai Montgomery back out there. You have to let Dalen Carnell be a starter. You have to, to go with Drayden Nor. Some of these guys they brought in, I have to see them playing major roles before I'm going to tell you that it's time to move on. Because if you move on, then you just restart the clock. And just restarting the clock is not. I understand the frustration. I understand the questions. I'm not telling you they're invalid. As we sit here today, Eli Drinkwitz is three games under 500, right? He, he's 13 and 17 as Missouri's coach. I think that's right. Came in 11 and 12. So, yeah, he's 13 and 17, 30 games. Uh, no, that's not right. He's coached 29 games. I don't know. Guys. He's you know, He was 5 and 5 the first year, 6 and 7. So, he was 11 and 12 coming in. 
He's now 13 and 16. Three games under 500. Sorry, I'm doing math on the air. I'm sure it's exciting. But you got to wait a minute, man. You just, I, I understand the questions and, and they're all valid, but it, it's just not time to have that discussion quite yet. Uh, I see Gerard's here. We're going to give him just a minute or two to make sure he gets, uh, gets set up and is ready to go. Gerard uh, probably can't hear me, but I'm going to text him. Okay, he can hear me. Uh, Ger- Gerard, just give me a thumbs up when you're ready to go, man, and I'll bring you in the studio. Um, I cannot hear you yet because I can't hear you until you're in the studio. So just give me a thumbs up when you're ready to go. But, um, okay, we're going to try to bring Gerard in. If uh, if this doesn't work perfectly, we will work around it. Um, Gerard, how's Gainesville, man? Um, it's all right. I, I see why people come to Florida, though. You know, the weather's nice. We got the open window type thing. Yeah. I, I can dig that, but... That's about it. That's about it. The the open air press box down there is nice. Uh, first off, before we get into this game, and, and guys, appreciate the comments and questions. Keep them coming here on the 573T's postgame report. Uh, before we get into the game, look, just the opening shot of that stadium. I looked at it. I said, oh, my God, that place is empty. I mean, did it fill in? Was it – what it, was it, the it, atmosphere it, like? Attendance is 88,471, so um... – it's almost, I mean, they had some upper level seating that wasn't as filled in, but by the time the game kicked off, oh, it was loud. There was a, a couple points where they were doing their chance, especially when they went up a uh, 24, 10, where I was thinking to myself, like, it's the loudest I've heard any game we've been to this season. And maybe last week at, you know, when Missouri was hosting Georgia, but we can't hear through the glass as well, right. but I definitely heard them this week. So it, it got better. Okay, so we've had people – I've been on here about half an hour. We've had people in. I've been trying to answer questions and, and all that. But I just – before we get to postgame and what Missouri said, immediately at the buzzer, 24-17, give me your kind of 30,000-foot takeaway of this one. Uh, another one bites the dust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another same game, bites, right? Another – it's the same story. It's, that's what it's going to have to be. It's going to be the same story for the third week in a row. Another one possession game. Another chance for the offense to tie or or take the lead or win the game or whatever it may be. And it just it sputters. It breaks down. It's for the second and third quarter of every game. This team could easily be six and zero if it was just two mm-hmm. quarters. Those specific two quarters, right? You make it. You make it four quarters, or it's just a first and four. You know, first and fourth quarter. It's it's what you see on on the field today. That's the product you get. So, just another one bites the dust. So you guys were, were down doing the interviews. Talk to Drinkwitz. What did Drinkwitz say? Who else did you talk to? Who? What was kind of the the you know post game theme? Um. I will tell you this. I just and this is just what I saw from body language. We've got we got drink, we got Isaiah McGuire, and we got a Toski Dub. After they lost to Auburn, you could tell like, dang. But you know, we we locked them down defensively. We know what we can do. After they lost to Georgia, it was like, dang again. But this is the number one team. We locked them down. We know what we can do. Isaiah's a nice guy. He's a happy – he's always got a smile on. This time, you could kind of see it in him that it was just like, like, are we ever going to kind of do this? Are we ever going to, like, get over that hump 
and I know it's got to be so much harder for the defense. And this is just what I'm seeing. It's not what they're telling. It's what I'm seeing that, you know, they're doing their part, even though they gave up those two touchdowns, you know, uh, in in the second half, they came back with an interception to give the offense another chance. So you can kind of see it weighing on them knowing they're getting there. Drink told us that uh, I guess the biggest takeaway I took um, from what he said was pretty much the details, the details and not just the details in the fourth quarter or maybe the start of the game, but it's just, Little things like that punt that went for 48 yards. Uh, he said that they didn't have enough hang time. It didn't go far enough. He said they they've got to be better on play calling. The thing where uh, Tolson snapped the ball and Cook wasn't even ready for it. He, like Kate doesn't even start. They've got the little things like that. Those affect the ball game. The pick six earlier. So he was talking about you know the details throughout the game. It's not just one play at the end of the game or something. That's, it's like throughout the game. And then the offensive line. I think they gave up four sacks, a number of tackles yeah. for loss. Again, um, there was pressure on Cook, although I don't remember on the interceptions if he necessarily had pressure. Definitely not the second one. I can't really remember the first one, but they didn't play as well. Um, and I noted this in the preview. They can't – some weeks it seems like they're uh, – they play well, but they have penalties or something. Like it's, it feels like it's one or the other. It's never like they play well with no penalties. It's either – they have no penalties and they don't play well or they play well and they have very costly penalties like we saw versus Georgia. Yeah. Um, so, look, obviously a lot of the comments and thoughts here have been Brady Cook related. And we said after last week that Brady Cook wasn't losing them games, but he wasn't winning them games. I, look, Drew, there were other problems, but those two picks are backbreaking. I mean, one of them leads directly to seven points. The other one takes at least three off the board. That's 10 points in a game you lost by seven. I mean, and tell me if you saw anything different, because you're there, I'm watching on TV. The first one, I thought Luther Burden got bumped off his route. Yes. And can Brady recognize that and not throw that ball? I don't know. But, but I thought Burden got bumped off his route. Florida won at the line of scrimmage, got the pick. The second one, Dominic Lovett got bumped, but... That was not a immediately rise up and throw. He's throwing that ball to Toski Dove, and Jaden Hill has inside position, and there's no point. There's no time during that play where Toski Dove is open. I'll forgive him the first one, even though it goes back for six. But that second one was just backbreaking. All right, so yeah, so the first uh, interception that he threw, and I'm looking at the film, trying to trying to uh, remember it. First interception he threw. Yeah, Burden got bumped off the route, and something we were talking about, and we asked Toski, is just like the physicality of of Florida. They were they were pretty physical today, or, of their secondary, and it just seemed like in every facet they were, I want to say punking the receivers, but they were having their way. And so, yeah, Burden got bumped off his route, and I think if Burden sells that differently than just falling backwards, he may get a flag for it because the way he yeah. fell down, it looks like it's just incidental uh, you know, contact, and that's why – the cornerback is able to break away on that, and he has the lane for the touchdown. The second one, we uh, I asked Toski what happened on that interception because I was I asked him was it just supposed to be a hitch route where he just goes a few yards and stops and turns around, and or was it a miscommunication? He told me that he was supposed to do an in route, so that means he was supposed to run basically to where Brady had to it. where Cook threw like, the ball. Yes, but basically the cornerback had to telegraph, and before I came in here and set up, that cornerback was actually. Uh, doing his interview and somebody was asking him about that question he said specifically last night i watched that same play like 
three or four times over and over. They do this stuff all the time. So when I seen it, it was basically like, oh, wow. Like he knew. Knew where the ball was going. He knew immediately where it was going. So it's just, it's telegraphed. <laughs> and how you said about Brady earlier on the first interception, even if Burden doesn't get knocked off his route, he telegraphed it. There was no, he didn't look anywhere else. And I knew because I was actually, when I was doing my quick thoughts, the first thing I was going to write about on that play was the wide receivers on the right side of the field, they didn't even run. They just kind of just hiked. They went oh, off wow. the line. They didn't do anything. And I remember thinking, that's weird. And when I looked at the replay, it was because Brady telegraphed it and everybody knew, even the teammates knew, it's going to the left side of the field, probably burden. And so at the least, I think it was going to be a pass breakup because he just eyed down his man. So. Yeah, I've been pretty clear. Look, officiating did not lose that game, but I am curious. They say anything about the last play, Toski, whether that should have been PI? It was just more of a it's it's tough, you know, you, you know, it's the SEC, you may not get that call. Um right. no one said anything definitive that it was a a PI. Nobody wants to get fined. I get it. You know. And and again, Look, that offense still has 45 yards to go if that call is made. And I they hadn't really shown me anything that told me they were going 45 yards. Uh, this is this has been largely negative, but hey, man, good for Nate Pete. You know, uh, two weeks ago, that kid had had one of the toughest things you can have happen to a football player and came back, looked really good against Georgia, had, I think, over 100 today and, and ran really well. Nate Pete, uh, what's this? 20 rushes for says 117. So 20 rushes, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, a couple weeks ago, public enemy number one, it seems like, but he's bounced back. This is his second 100 yard rushing game in three games since his third of his career. So this is what they were supposed to do, though. This Florida run defense is bad, and at times, especially early on, they were making it look a lot better than it was. And Nate Pete started breaking out the runs and kind of opened things up for them. Okay, I'm, I'm going to nitpick a little bit. I've said a couple things, and I want your take. Into the first half, they get down to the 11-yard line. Seemed like Drinkwitz at that point just said, I'm good with a field goal. That's like, exactly what I thought. I That, to me, I thought, hey, man, you got to take a shot to take the lead. Because the problem was Missouri was dominating that game in the first half and went in tied. I mean, first off, they were – First half time of possession, I think I wrote they were up like almost 12 minutes. 21 to 9 or something. Yeah. yeah, like, come on now. And then, yeah, they get to the 11-yard line. And if you're following the quick thoughts, I'm going to say every game for the rest of the season. I hate the pistol single back. It doesn't work. It's so, it's so, it seems like every defense in the FBS knows what's coming on these single uh, single back pistol things or whatever. And then the QB draw thing on second and 11, yeah. On top of the fact that they got that field position based off that fumble from DJ Coleman. So they blew field position again. And the first thought I was thinking, besides, it seems like they're they're settling when they go with the QB draw is it's the same thing that happened versus Georgia. You get here, you have a chance to, I can't remember the story. It was either take the lead or tired or something. And you kind of just settle and be like, all right, I just want to stay in the game. I, I think it was a field goal because it was half, they wanted to halftime. So yeah. I don't know. Anytime they get into a situation where they need to be the aggressors and not fighting back off the ground, it, they just can't get it going. Yeah. And now, look, I do also want to, uh, at one point, the story flipped. I thought we were going to be writing about a Missouri team that converted third and eight, third and 12 
third and 22. You know, they were really good on third down. They they drove down the field to make it 24-17. Makai Miller, a phenomenal catch to to move the sticks cool. again on third down. Cool. Yeah. The one I'm thinking on that last drive, you know, he actually got two feet in. Yeah, yeah, where he starts up, yep. Yeah, that was a catch even in the NFL. So, like, there were some positives, but they just couldn't sustain anything. So, and I don't want to keep you all day because I know you got a lot of writing to do. So, I I want to hit on two things with you before before we let you go finish up. Um, The first is you talked about it a little bit earlier, and I was talking about it. How long can this team – kind of keep pounding against that that dam waiting for it to break and like do we see a point where the defense just says guys we can't do this anymore we're doing it and doing it and it's not working because we're getting no help and the dam doesn't break you know and it, it does turn into a hey we're starting to hear fingers pointed and 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 the chemistry isn't as good I, I mean at some point they have to finish one of these or it just becomes counterproductive. That's what I thought was happening when they gave up the two touchdowns uh, and before they got that, that late interception is they've, they've the offense has exhausted everything the defense has because they have to keep going out on the field. They have to, uh, you know, they just have to cover so much ground. They can't even just play defense to play defense. They're playing defense because they all like they're, they're trying twice as hard because they gave up a mistake on offense, and now they can't score. The game is going to be out the way. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see after the bye week, you know, uh, what they do. That Like Vandy, the game against Vandy now, is it should be a win, but it's the more these things happen, especially the third week in a row. Oh, if, if Vandy's not a win, we're having a whole different conversation. Uh, I get that, but it's like kick it. They're getting kicked while they're down. They're yep. getting kicked while they're down. Now, luckily, they got the bye week, so maybe they can regroup. That was also a big thing of the press conference that I forgot to say. Everybody's just trying to regroup, but it's looking shaky. Okay, so this is not the time to ask Eli Drinkwitz after this game, but I've said I've said since the beginning of the season, if you're 2-4 and four coming back from Florida, I think I go to Sam Horn. Uh, said that last week again, I think I go to Sam Horn in the Vanderbilt. Oh, okay, okay. I think I would start Sam Horn. Just your personal opinion, because look, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it's the right move. Would you do it? That's not a bad idea. I got to think. Who are they playing after Vandy? I I can't think of the schedule. They're at South Carolina. Because I think. I mean, if you don't do it for the Vanderbilt game, you're not doing it. I think. Then I'd say. Because I think Vandy and South Carolina are winnable games. No, not yet. And they're they run behind each other and you got you can you can beat those two. A defense, I think versus Vandy, defense but, can definitely win you that. And okay. same with South Carolina, but I wouldn't fault it either to start saying so I'm just saying if you don't do it at Vandy if you're talking about after South Carolina, well then you're three and five. There's only four games left. So Wait, will you, you be know, four I mean, or, uh if they beat both of them? They, they could be if they win both. Yeah, if they win both. You're right. So, they, I yeah. I, oh, I would yeah. probably do it. I don't expect them to do it. You know, that's. I don't I don't know what the standing is on, on how people are coming with drink and the job and all that. I mean, I wonder, and I don't know. This is just a guess. Like, does he keep cooking? as long as he can in there because he's that's his best shot to win though you start trying i mean for him that should be the only 
calculus in it, right? He has to play the guy that he thinks gives him the best shot to win a game. And if he thinks that's Brady Cook, cool. I just, I have a hard time painting the path to six wins right now. I mean, it's it's Vandy, South Carolina, New Mexico State, and Arkansas. I get it. It's still technically there. And if you think it's there and you think Brady Cook's the guy, you've probably got to play him. And I, I know fans and media move on to next year way before coaches do. I get that. So that's why I'm saying I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying if I was in charge, I'd probably do it. Yeah, I, I will say, though, I told you this during, during the game. They lose this game. I'm, I'm off. There's, yeah. I'm not switching back. They're not they're, – I'm telling you all they're not making it. They, this, they're, they should be 5-1 and one with the win over the number one team in the nation – they should be a top 20 team and they're losing to teams that are inferior. And like, you can kind of say, okay, it's Georgia, but it wasn't a game that Georgia took. So I'm, I'm done. They're not, there's nothing they can do for me that says this team is going to win. They're just going to have to show me. And it's, it's going to be hard as we kept saying last week to get off that canvas. Now for the third time in a row, and another, not maybe as heartbreaking, but another one where you're just like, we were right there type of moment. Okay, so last thing for you, and then we'll let you go right. Uh, any injury news after the game? Anything on burden, uh, you know? No, but he didn't know to, like, it didn't sound like he can expect him to be there, you know, going forward. He didn't really give much of an update, but he just said how the, um, the wide receiver room is, it's, it's thinning out a lot. He. I mean, so they gave, played Micah Manning at one point in this game. Walk on. Really? I, 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 did, I didn't even see that. This is the first half. Yeah. Yeah. So he was more so when Burden kind of got brought up, he kind of turned it to about how Kai Miller played. So he doesn't have a necessary update, but we can't expect him. He said Bannister is out, which makes me think that I, I don't know. I wonder if he's going to be back after the bye week. Same thing with Burden, but we yeah. didn't really get an update on it. And he, he made sure to note that as bad as the wide receiver room is, the cornerback room is probably worse. Yeah, well, that's okay. They keep playing teams that can't throw the football anyway, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> but, all right, Gerard, appreciate it, man. Um, look forward to your stuff here the rest of the day and uh, and enjoy the rest of the trip. All right, you guys have fun in the in the forum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Gerard Hamilton from Gainesville. Appreciate it, bud. We're going to let him go. Uh, I'm going to finish up here. I'll just kind of answer answer the last couple questions, and then I've got some writing and some stuff to do as well. Uh, Breakfast King of Loyola wants to know, what went wrong with Eli's recruitment of transfer quarterbacks in the offseason? Had a transfer receiver, talented receiver core, supposedly a QB guru. Nobody wanted to play for him. Why? Um, I've heard JT Daniels was an NIL thing. Jalen Daniels, I'm less sure, uh, could have been. Uh, I mean, LSU came in at the last minute. LSU is a pretty good program. They might have just getting, gotten beat out by a better program there. South Florida and Jerry Bohannon's or Gary Bohannon, that's the weird one to me. I don't understand. Now, that said, I don't think Bohannon makes this team better. He's He wasn't the answer. Um, he was a miss because Drinkwitz wanted him and didn't get him, but the way he's played this year, I don't think he fixes anything on this team. I think Jalen Daniels would have. Um, but you know, again, LSU that happens, but, um, I think it's pretty obvious guys. And we said this all off season and people didn't want to believe it. He knew he needed a quarterback if this team was going to get to where he wanted it to get and he didn't get one. And there, it, again, it's not the only problem. 
it's far from the only problem. I'm not laying this all on Brady Cook, but that's part of it. And we're seeing the results of the offseason. Um, that's where it is. And I, I don't know how to put it any any simpler than that. Um, Florida, again, beats Missouri 24-17. Tigers are 2-4. and four. They're off next week. They'll host Vandy for homecoming in two weeks. That game time is going to be announced Monday. I'm going to be shocked if it's not 3 p.m. SEC Network. That's the last game taken by uh, by TV networks. I, I see no reason to think it would be anything but the last game taken that week. Uh, so I would tell you to plan on 3 p.m. We'll tell you if it's any different on Monday. Uh, not sure what media access is going to look like yet for this week, because again, they do not play on Saturday. So don't know the next time necessarily we'll get to talk to players or drink wits, but we will have all kinds of coverage for you. Gerard again is writing in the press box at the swamp. I'm going to, uh, finish up here in the home office. So I'll turn this into a podcast and, and I'll do some things. If you've been here live with us, certainly appreciate it. We've had close to 200 people on for most of this show. Appreciate you guys spending some of a nice day with us. Um, and, uh, and being here, if you were around for the show, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, share it on social media, whatever you can do. I'm going to turn this into a podcast as soon as I'm done here. If you are listening via that route, then uh, give us a nice review, say some nice things. And regardless, go to 573Ts.com. They're a great partner of ours, have been for about three years now. Really good local company, really well run, do a lot of stuff, do NIL stuff. They could do custom orders, but what they really want is to do your bulk orders. Like if you've got a company, if you've got, um, you know, any sort of thing you're trying to get a lot of shirts for, they can take care of that. They always get me stuff uh, very quickly. Got the Ed Chang jersey, got some Power Mizzou gear. They've really helped us out a lot. So 573-TEES.com. Once again, this has been the 573-TEES.com live post-game show. Missouri, a 24-17 loser to Florida. Much more coverage coming both from here at the home office and from Gainesville. But uh, we're going to call it a night. Thanks, guys.